Across the Margin, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields, and today's episode is a journey. It's a wild ride that whisks us all away to a night in late February of 1939, an evening where 20,000 Americans rallied in New York's Madison Square Garden to celebrate the rise of Nazism. This event, largely forgotten, is the subject of the Oscar-nominated short, A Night at the Garden, which was directed and edited by Marshall Curry we feature an interview with on this episode, in this episode, I should say. Marshall and I discuss how he found the footage, the unique way in which he presented it, and the distressing parallels that can be drawn between that event and today's political climate. The short is deeply eye-opening and disturbing, and luckily there are many lessons that can be learned from it, which Marshall and I discuss in this episode. While I had him, I needed to discuss some of his other films. His first Oscar nomination came from his work on the documentary Street Fighter about Cory Booker's 2002 mayoral campaign. And we discussed Cory's run, uh, all the disturbing and deceitful methods that his opponent um, employed uh, to try to win and and that we see in a lot of campaigns today. Uh, And there was just a lot to chew on there. That's a fantastic documentary. Um, We also discussed his documentary If a Tree Falls, the story of the Earth Liberation Front. Um, and here we talked about just environmentalism, uh, protest in general, and just this wild story at the, at the heart of that documentary. It's, it's really crazy stuff. And, uh, and lastly, I had to ask Marshall about his work on the film Mistaken for Strangers, uh, which is about one of my favorite bands, The National. Um, we kind of got into his relationship with the band, and he had some uh, cool backstories there. And, and he was even able to point to what was the... Uh, the first national gig uh, in, that he was at, that, that, that occurred, and he was actually there, which was really, really cool. Uh, before we get going, just a reminder that Across the Margin, the podcast, is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Visit OsirisPod.com to stay up to date. Uh, they got a couple new podcasts, the uh, family over there at Osiris continues to grow. There's rock and roll uh, archaeology. It's an episodic exploration of the history of rock and roll. And also uh, there is Digger Deeper Digs in Rock. And that is actually a companion show to the rock and roll archaeology. Uh, Check those out. I haven't yet. I'm eager to. I'm hearing they're really, really cool. Um, Plus, there are dozens of new episodes from all the Osiris podcasts. So again, head over to OsirisPod.com and check them out. And I, I really think you're going to love this interview with Marshall. I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, not only is his work so, uh, so gripping and important, uh, he's a great guy. So here's my interview with Marshall Curry. 
Thank you for making the time, and uh, congrats on the nomination uh, for A Night of the Garden. It's 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 remarkable. Thank you. No, it's exciting. I'm 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 thrilled to be able to share this crazy story with uh, with the world. It is a crazy story. Um, I mean, it, I had yeah, I felt like I was watching uh, the Man in the High Castle when I was watching it. It just felt, right. it felt just so odd. Uh, I have to know how did you uh, come upon this footage or even hear about this event. Um, I was at dinner with a friend of mine who was writing a screenplay uh, that takes place in New York in 1939, mm-hmm. and he had been doing some research and told me that there had been a Nazi rally in Madison Square Garden, and I actually didn't believe him until I got home that night and looked it up, but of course he was right, and not only that, I found that there were some uh, clips that had been used in historical documentaries, mm-hmm. um, and I figured that if there were some short clips there must be more footage somewhere and so i got an archival researcher who's a friend to um start looking around and he found some in the national archive and some in ucla's archive and some in grinberg archive and and uh, uh, another place as well and um and uh you know different places had pieces that uh that didn't have audio and Mm. other people had audio that didn't have video and um uh and uh, the national archive had some clips that had never been scanned high def before but anyway we gathered it all and when i looked at it i just my jaw dropped and i thought i I need to make something out of this it's uh it's absolutely jaw dropping and it's kind of scary how uh relevant it is you know so many years later um I have to know kind of how you presented it was uh, a unique way in you kind of, you know, especially relative to your other documentaries, you let the footage kind of speak for itself. Is that something mm-hmm. you were, uh, you know, you, you purposely did to, uh, yeah, what were you thinking there? Yeah, I mean, when I first saw the footage, I figured uh, that I would make something that was a little more traditional with interviews with historians who mm-hmm. would set the context. Um, and almost on a whim, one day, I, I just decided to see what it would be like if I just edited it as if it were a verite documentary where, you know, there are no air- narrators or yeah. interviews. And, um, and you just dropped the audience into this rally without explanation um and i found that it uh it was pretty powerful that way that there was something about the surreal out surreality Mm -hmm. of it um and the the questions that it raised that engaged the audience more than if it had just been a straight history lesson um and you know the way that that i edited it was to kind of elicit this series of, of reactions where people say at first they don't know what it is and mm-hmm. uh, and then they see that it's a, ra- a, a pro-America rally it says on the, on the marquee outside yeah, yeah um, right, right next to like a, the Rangers game and stuff yeah, like that exactly <laughs> like, right yeah. I mean it's yeah. just so common yeah. um, and then uh, and then they get inside and and they say wait a minute are those swastikas that I see next to George Washington and um, and then maybe they think well maybe it's not uh, maybe this is 1939 maybe people didn't know what 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 this group was all about and then somebody takes the stage and starts railing against the Jews and you think oh my gosh they really didn't know what this was and um, that that series of, of of creating questions for the audience and then giving them the the, the 
the information that would answer those questions just felt a little more cinematic and compelling than than doing it as a history lesson. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's very affecting in that way. You're kind of caught in the moment, and you're you are what is what is going on here? It's it's, it's uh, surreal indeed, as you said. Um, you just mentioned how it was 1939, but I, you know, I was trying to kind of place the time and what was going on. But from what I know about New York at the time, it was still pretty, uh, uh, it was still a modern and diverse city. And, you know, right. this is the heart of the city. It's at the garden. Right. And, right. you know, I mean, what did New Yorkers at the time think of this? What was going on around this? Um, well, the vast majority of New Yorkers uh, and, and Americans in general, I think, were appalled by by the Nazis. And, yeah. um, and when you go back and you look at New York Times articles from the time, people, a lot of people were really upset that this happened. Mm-hmm. But there was a significant minority that um, that supported fascism and supported uh, racism and anti-Semitism. And, um, and it was much bigger than it should have been. Uh, mm-hmm. When you have 20,000 people that show up at a rally you know that there are many times that who yeah. who aren't coming to the rally mm-hmm. and in fact we know that Charles Lindbergh and Henry Ford and uh, other people like that you know prominent public figures. leaders yeah. were yeah prominent figures yeah. Were, were anti-Semites and mm-hmm. and that and that there were you know Father Coughlin's radio show was saying good things about Hitler and 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 Mussolini right. while 30 million you know reaching 30 million Americans yeah. so um it was a minority view, but but but, uh, but, 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 but a, view. a big minor, too many. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, because because of the way you presented it, um, I was hoping you could fill me in and uh, the listeners here uh, some some gaps because I, I I'd like to hear a little bit more uh, about who was speaking in in uh, in the footage you shared in, in your in your short, and also I really need to know more about uh, that brave soul who rushed the stage. Yeah, so the speaker is a guy named Fritz Kuhn, who was the head of the German-American Bund. He, he fancied himself, he called himself the, the American Fuhrer, and, um, and uh, he ended up, um, once World War II started, uh, he, was, uh, he was arrested for embezzling money from the group, went to prison, and then um, uh, eventually actually had his citizenship stripped from him and was deported to Germany. Um, where, where he lived the rest of his life. Um, but uh, the guy that ran out on stage was uh, a 20-something-year-old uh, Jewish plumber's assistant from Brooklyn who named Isidore Greenbaum. And we've actually been in touch with his grandson. Amazing. Um, and he went to the rally that night just to kind of see what it was all about. So and he was in he, the crowd as a... I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but he was in the yeah. crowd as just a kind of a spectator to see what was happening. Right, okay. that's right. Yeah. So, um, he did not have plans to disrupt the thing, but he said uh, that he was so appalled by what, what was happening on stage that he felt like he needed to, to go out there and and say something or do something. And um, as you can see in the film, he was beaten up that night. Uh, he was arrested. And uh, the next day, he had to pay $25 for uh, disturbing the peace. Oh. And the New York Times that, that day reported... Um, that the judge, when sentencing him, um, said to him, you know, don't you realize that someone could have been hurt from what you were doing on stage? And he said back, uh, don't you realize that someone's going to be hurt yeah. from from 
what was being said on that stage. And of course, this is 1939. So in the next few years, uh, yeah. millions and millions of people are, were, would, would be murdered. Is unfortunately all too right. Um, right. So what was the fallout of the event? What happened to the, um, what was it, the German-American, was it the Bund? Bund. Bund. The Bund, yeah. What happened to yep. the Bund? Um, so pretty soon, uh, I mean, they, they at the time uh, had a pretty significant reach. I mean, they had a big um, march down 86th Street in Manhattan. There's mm-hmm. some amazing photographs of that. Yeah, I saw one today. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. Isn't it wild? Yeah. yeah and wild. there were, um, there were um, uh, camps uh, that they had in New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania where, um, you know, there are photographs of kids there raising flags, swastikas on them, and learning to step in the in the camp yard and um, and communities where there were things like Adolf Hitler Way and uh, a lot of these photos. Um, if people are interested, they can, they can check out our website, which is anightatthegarden.com, and they can um, and they can see links to, to, to some of those things. But um, you know, once World War II started and and Nazis started killing American soldiers. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the tolerance for that kind of thing uh, yeah. really disappeared. And um, and then you know around the same time, Fritz Kuhn, the head of the group, was was arrested for embezzling money, and mm-hmm. so uh, it ended up kind of disappearing. But of course, the people and the ideology didn't disappear. Just the just the organization disappeared. Yeah. And um, and and now, of course, we're seeing some of these philosophies creeping back. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's kind of what, what I want to get at is, uh, you know, I feel when you're watching it, it, it is that wow, oh my goodness type of thing. It's, 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 it's completely surreal. Like you said, George Washington surrounded by swastikas. All this is happening in New York. But I think uh, there's a lot to take away. And there's, it's kind of like a learning thing, whether it's, you know, he was the... the the way they were talking about who the true Americans are, just there's, mm-hmm. there's the parallelism to today. There's, there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's something to learn here. And I was wondering what you think as the filmmaker, uh, what that is. Well, as soon as I saw the footage, the parallels with, with today were striking. I mean, I didn't have to, to do much to, to, to show those, but, yeah. um, you know, you've got a leader that, that takes the stage and, and he attacks the press and he uh, tells the audience they need to take America back from the minorities that are that are destroying it. And he, uh, you know, sort of laughs and sneers as as a, a protester is violently attacked. And, um, you know, he generally uses the symbols of American patriotism the American flag and, and the Star Spangled Banner and the Pledge of Allegiance, and he perverts those things to to sell an ideology that, that in my opinion, is completely un-American. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing all of those things happening right now. You know, in Donald Trump, we see a, a leader who was elected uh, on a platform of banning people who participate in a certain religion from coming into our country. Mm-hmm. And... And we see him attack the we see him attack the press, and we see him, you know, cheer violence against protesters, and we see him uh, use the symbols of of America to 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 divide us up and to um, 
to attack America, frankly. Yeah. I mean, America is a country of immigrants. Mm-hmm. Our, our First Amendment of our Constitution is about freedom of religion, mm-hmm. freedom of press, and, and these things are things that, that, that he just sneers at. And um, so, so I, I hoped that by seeing uh, what happened when a leader in 1939 did these things, yeah. that maybe it would... Uh, Wake up. Wake, make, make people a little bit uh, a little bit more vigilant about yeah. about uh, when they see leaders doing those same things today. Exactly, maybe not look at it in such a nonchalant way. Everything's going to be fine. It's, I mean, it's mm-hmm. crazy. It's, I mean, it's what is it close to eighty years later, and the rallies. I mean, share way too many similarities for any sort of comfort. That's it's, right. It's totally certain. Uh, is there more footage? What'd you come upon? Yeah, I mean, we found. Less than an hour of footage. I'm okay. not sure exactly how much there was, but um, but I, I also imagine that there is more out there somewhere. I mean, it's possible that it was destroyed, but it's you know there were camera angles where we only saw a little bit of footage, and I can't imagine that they went through the hassle of setting up a camera and then didn't didn't yeah. run it very sure. much. Um, so so either that was destroyed or it's sitting in a basement somewhere and somebody's gonna gonna find it and and uh and and you know yeah it'll be another little historical gold mine but Absolutely. um but that was about all we were able to find cool well, well well what you found was amazing what you did was amazing i find it deeply affecting it's one of the things it's where people are kind of shooting it around to each other right now like look at this can you believe this it's it's uh, it's it's caused a stir in my world, so it's, it's awesome yeah. to talk about. It's I mean, awesome, awesome to talk about, but scary to think about. So right, uh, right. While I, I hate to switch gears, but I, I I love a lot of your projects. A lot of your projects have uh, affected me. So while I have you type thing, um, I love Street Fight. It was when I first came upon uh, your work. It was was that the first time you were nominated for an Oscar? It is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it was actually my first feature length documentary that wow. I ever made. So, wow. so <laughs> success right off the Crazy, crazy experience. Congratulations. Just uh, that's about the 2002 mayoral campaign of Cory Booker. So, um, you know, not only was that to me, you know, a, a nice nod to the character and will of Cory Booker, but uh, cool, you know, it was also a cool look behind the scenes of a grassroots campaign. But it exposed some truly, I guess, despicable uh, political misconduct. And I was really curious when I was watching it if, were you aware that you were going to kind of come upon these? You know, whether it's the workers on election days or some other actions that Sharp Jones was was uh, doing or, or, or some of the things he was saying, did you know that you were going to come upon that sort of political misconduct? Like, no. Well, I didn't know that I would. I didn't know that I would come on it at the, to the level that I okay. did. I, I grew up in New Jersey, uh, um, so, okay. so I knew a little something about how politics work in New Jersey yeah. and, and and in Newark in particular, but. Um, but I, uh, I was definitely shocked by, um, by the things that were happening there uh, during that election. It was not. Um, it was much, much more than than I imagined when I started. Yeah, it's. I mean, it acts as like an expose of just kind of how intense uh, it just the politics of campaigning can be, and just blatant lines. And again, it felt very. I mean, you know, this is in the, it's in the past now, but it's very Trumpian in a way, yeah. especially when he was. You know, using those lies, explaining how um, you know the the money, how he was uh, mm-hmm. it, right. all that. So I mean, it was so 
that just kind of happened by chance that you were exposing that. What was what, what was your goal initially when you when you uh, started making Street Fight? Was just to show the you know be a part of the grassroots campaign and shine a light on uh, this young politician? Yeah, I mean, I had met Cory Booker, and I thought he was an interesting guy, mm-hmm. and I knew about Sharp James. Um, mm-hmm. At that point, I actually had a kind of positive view of Sharp James because he had been elected as a reform politician, you know, for four terms earlier, and. Um, so I, I was interested in the way that there was a new uh, generation of African-American leaders who had been born after the civil rights movement, who had gone to Yale and Stanford and, mm-hmm. and had opportunities that the previous generation hadn't had, and now were running against uh, some of those leaders. So that was a dynamic that I was seeing, whether it was in Newark, whether it was uh, – you know, Kwame Kilpatrick in Detroit had just done the same thing. This this young state senator named Barack Obama mm-hmm. had just done the same thing, mm-hmm. and um, and so I, I thought that there. I, I didn't really know what was going to happen, but I thought that this uh, intergenerational battle between African American leaders that there would be something interesting there. And I also thought that that most of the documentaries, political campaign documentaries that had come out by that point were about national elections. There was The War Room and there was Journeys with George, Mm -hmm. but those were movies about buying television ads and spin doctors and that sort of thing. And and nobody at that point had had really made a movie that was about a local grassroots uh, urban election. And so, um, so that also was just interesting to me as a, um, as something to to explore and see, yeah. see what it was like no, behind the it, scenes. It was really cool in that way to see just like a, a, a city, uh, you know, kind of him going door to door and just the city battling within itself instead of on a national scale that we're more used to. That was really, mm-hmm. really cool. Were you scared at all? <laughs> there was yeah, some... <laughs> yeah, I was definitely scared. Yeah, there's... yeah, and it's funny because now it's been long enough that I've told the stories and I've seen the film and, yeah. and, and it kind of has turned into an anecdote. But at the time, it did not feel like an anecdote. It was yeah. definitely scary. It was real. It was when, real. when the movie came out, we moved my daughter's crib away from the window with the thoughts that somebody might come by and oh, throw right. a brick through yeah. the window and so we were we were definitely on edge yeah. uh, while I was shooting it and, and when it was coming out that was amazing it's, I mean in, in a terrible way the, the thuggish means in which they were trying to silence your voice um, <laughs> hey, hey, hey just while I think about it why didn't Sharp run in um, 2006 was, was, was he affected at all by the stock I think he probably was, so uh, you know, too, yeah. and, and I also think that there were a lot of uh, a lot of um, dynamics that were working against him. So, yeah. you know, it, uh, he instead of being sixty six, then he, now he was seventy. Yeah. And Corey instead of being thirty two, now he was thirty six, mm-hmm. and and uh, instead of going for his fifth year, f- f- fourth term, he was going for his fifth term, and just. Uh, People started to say, oh, enough already, you know, yeah. and, and when the poll numbers started to come out, uh, he got it. it. It looked like he was not going to win. And he, he much preferred to leave as the, um, you know, the longest serving mayor undefeated rather yeah, than to, to lose an election against that kid, Cory Booker, who oh, yeah. he hated so much. <laughs> um, so I think that was the reason that he backed out. And then, of course, uh, when Cory took over. In Newark, they started going through the books of the city and discovered that there had been a lot of uh, 
a lot of uh, illegal activity, and, mm-hmm. and Sharp James ended up going to prison, yeah. to federal prison, for yeah. a number of years after Absolutely. that. Absolutely, you can you can kind of get that sense from your uh, your film that is you know exposed. That's it's, coming, yeah, yeah, exposed. Uh, just, I'm curious how you, uh, you know, someone who spent some time with Booker and, and so intimately in his campaign, how do you think he's going to do? You know, it's hard to say. Yeah. I I, um, I like him, and it's hard it's hard for me to compare with other people because I know him so much better yeah, I than I do tons. other folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I, I like a lot of the candidates that are running, and and I really like him. I mean, I think he's smart and honest, yeah. and 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 hardworking, and cares about about people the same things that that people yeah, that that, <laughs> that most of the other Democrats care about. Yeah. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. One thing's for sure you see in uh, in, in street street fight is that he's a fighter and like he's he's, yeah. he's going to go all in. Um, I'm going to switch gears one last time. And uh, yeah. if a tree falls, uh, came out in 2011. Is that right? Um, <laughs> I didn't know that, but I can't remember. <laughs> uh, it's the story yeah. of the Earth Liberation Front. This this one really, I was I was I, when I first saw it, I was. I was taken by it because uh, when I was first in college, I, I studied earth scientists and was around a lot of kind of near radical uh, environmentalists. I could have kind of gone, I could you know, I could have kind of gone down this way at, at certain times, but um, but so it, it, I can't help but thinking, and I watched it recently after you know we we agreed they, to talk that. Uh, I just can't help but thinking about this age of climate change and just how like dire it is, and we're, you know all the climate science tells us we're running out of time, and I can't help but think that you know I'm surprised, and I don't condone any of this behavior, but I'm surprised people aren't attempting to take in more drastic measures, uh, seeing that you know cor- you know all the evidence we have, how much corporations are to blame, and everything. But if a tree falls, displays clearly the consequences of actions in a really heartbreaking fashion and you know that was a takeaway from me you know that that that, you know you can't just go around trying to you know turn this thing around in a a violent way but but um I I was really curious what you hoped or thought the takeaway or you know what um what was the motivation behind it if a tree falls it's just to tell that story it's just there's a lot to grip onto there and I'm yeah it's a tricky story. It's yeah. you know when you watch it, you, your your sympathies generally start shifting around, and they you and, and no matter what it is that you come in feeling, you you leave feeling nudged out of your comfort zone a little bit. Whether yeah. you feel very radical or whether you feel sort of traditional environmentalist, or whether you're an industry person who who's wouldn't consider themselves an environmentalist, yeah. I feel like all three groups. Um, uh, leave that movie feeling a little bit shaken. Um, and, uh, you know, my goal with it was not to answer the questions that Mm -hmm. it it really, I wanted to, um, I I wanted to kind of elevate the conversation beyond people just kind of yelling back and forth, but, but, but to, to, to find the places where, uh, where different people, uh, could look at the situation outside of their normal way of looking at it. So, you know, by the end of the film, you have the prosecutor who put these guys in prison saying that, that he doesn't condone their activity, but that he uh, uh, understands the gray there and understands the... Um, How cool was that the, moment? The complexity. I mean, it was, it was such amazing. a woke moment. He was, he, he, like, you wouldn't almost expect it from uh, uh, someone like that. 
Um, not saying anything too bad about that type of person, but he was, yeah. he, he took a step back and looked yeah. at them as humans. And, you know, you don't always expect that from a, a prosecutor like that. No, I mean, when the movie came out, it, I, I was interested slash nervous to see how different people would, would react to it and including the people who were in it. Yeah. And I felt like I reflected different people's points of views fairly, um, and accurately, mm-hmm. but I didn't, um, but but I wasn't sure how they would feel about it, and and when it came out, the, the the prosecutor and the detective who put these people in prison did press, saying that the movie was important, oh. and the spokesman for the Earth Liberation Front, who still defends the things that that were done, mm-hmm. said the exact same thing. Wow. So it was kind of amazing to, to have have all of those different people saying, "Hey, this is a movie that you need to see if you want to understand." Um, social movements and if you want to understand uh, the environmental crisis mm-hmm. and you want to understand how to, how to make effective change and, 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 and how you know not to make effective change yeah. that's great that's, I mean that's got to be very tricky to balance um, it, if a tree falls definitely displays kind of the, the challenges environmental protesters face right down to the infighting and I'm always um, kind of analyzing someone who, who I'm not an activist by any means but I definitely you know it, it push strong views out into the world and I'm always analyzing protest. Uh, I was wondering what you learned about protest in this or, or its methods or its challenges or it's, I mean, it's, it is, it is a tricky beast. I mean, what you're talking about in that film is, you know, regular, you know, kind of mass movement protests versus, uh, uh, you know, some pretty intense measures, but, um, any takeaways about protest? That, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's a weird movie that, uh, Part of me has wanted to to make a follow up movie that that was a little more instructive because I do yeah. believe that there are effective ways of making change and mm. and the movie mostly critiques and and doesn't really offer solutions. Yeah, and, I think, and I think there's a, yep. I think there's a, a a place for the critique, but but I do think that there are ways of of making effective change. And frankly, you know, if you see a group like the NRA, mm-hmm. uh, who's who's you know, goals I don't agree with. Um, I, I have to say, even though I don't agree with their goals, they are fabulously effective at, get, at get getting done. what they want. <laughs> they get they get policies pushed through yeah. that have, you know, 10, 20% approval from the American people, mm-hmm. and yet somehow still they get it done. Yeah. And, and the way that they do that is actually less about having a lot of money and more about old-fashioned uh, voting. Oh wow! And, I was going to assume and, that it was and, all money. What do, what do you mean? It, it, it really isn't. I oh, wow. mean, they don't give more money. There are plenty of organizations that have as much money as the NRA uh-huh. and are not nearly as effective. What happens is people who are passionate about guns vote on that issue. Yeah. And so the NRA can go in and tell a, a member of Congress or a senator and say, listen, if you cross us, we will turn out our voters against you. And, and, and they have done it. Wow. You know, they have targeted people and, and, and booted them out of office and – uh, you know, if environmentalists voted on environmental issues the same way that gun lovers yep. vote on gun issues, um, we would have a very different environmental policy in this country. But instead, what you see is environmentalists are interested in lots of different things. Yep. And, and not I'm not criticizing them yep. for that, but, but, but it just means that it's harder to, to effectively organize. And I also think that there are That's people who turn up their nose at voting, which is – 
amazingly, it, it is the lever of power that people have to control their government, and they and and people just forfeit that power to um, to, to 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 others, and 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 as a result, the people that 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 get elected are are not the people who who share their values. So, um, I think sometimes you know just registering voters making sure people show up to vote and making sure that they vote on issues um is is a remarkably powerful way of of instituting change absolutely i nailed it right there i couldn't agree more we're seeing some of that there's 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 some positive things we're seeing in in getting different people uh involved and registered and to the polls it's a big big deal amazing uh use of the music of the national in uh if it's true falls it's i'm I'm a huge huge fan and so like it kind of makes it like more affecting uh affecting to me and cherry tree at the end uh so you worked on mistaken for strangers you were executive producer and um and and i did some editing on that too yeah how was it working on that it was great. So, so Matt Berninger, the singer of the band, yeah. is an old friend. He and I worked kidding? together at a at an internet company before they started the band and before I started making documentaries. No way. And so, did you know National, Tom back actually, then too, as well? I, I didn't know Tom okay. at that point. Um, that's that's but, a job uh, for listening yeah, who was right, uh, right. kind of the focus of the documentary. But please go on. Um, and so, the National actually played their first gig at the Christmas party for our company. Um, and uh, and so I got to know them, and and um, and then later when when um, I started making documentaries, I actually used a lot of their mo- music in almost all of my movies. So awesome. Street Fight doesn't have it, but Racing Dreams has five or six or seven mm-hmm. songs. If a tree falls, does um, Point and Shoot has a lot of national music as well. Wow. Um, and uh, and I just uh, uh, you know I love their music and yeah. um, and they've always been really generous with with me and, and letting me use it. So that's awesome. Um, I, had, I had no idea I was going to come upon the Nationals' first gig in this conversation. <laughs> I was hoping for some sort of national tip, but that that was a cool movie. That must have been a wild ride because Tom is uh, a wild character. She is a great, great character, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, when, when, when they'd started uh, editing, they'd done a bunch of editing and, and a lot of shooting, and Matt uh, shared it with me, and mm-hmm. I just completely fell in love with it. So, yeah. um, so they came out to my office and worked um, there. I did some editing and, uh, and then eventually hooked them up with, um, with an editor who I'd worked with who, who helped a lot to, to, to try to shape that, that movie. But, um, yeah, it was great. It was great, great to, to, to work with all of yeah. them. It's so cool. It's a good behind the scenes of like the national, uh, the national tour, but it's funny. <laughs> you know, what is the tagline kind of compares to sp- spinal tap? It's, 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 it's a, it's a hoot of a ride. Um, all right. Right. Thanks for talking about so many things, too. I know I threw a lot at you there, so that's cool. But so thank you. Uh, I'm serious when I say this, that, uh, you know, all the documentaries of yours I've seen, it's some of the best documentary work uh, there is in my mind. So it's awesome. Oh, that's nice of you to say. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, and good luck this weekend. It's, it's, it's a very um, important docu- uh, short you put out there, and, uh, and thanks for talking about it. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, thank you. And of course, if, if any of your listeners want to check it out, there's a, a website, thenightatthegarden.com, where they can see that film. And um, and then my website is marshallcurry.com, and they can learn about some of the other movies and where they can see those. So, um, good. Well, thanks again awesome. so much for talking about No problem, with me. Marshall. I appreciate the time very, very much. Okay. Thank you. Good luck. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye.
This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com. Discipline. Can we? 